Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the blessed opportunity you've given us to be able to get back into your word and do some more studying. Help us now as we continue our study in the book of Revelation to understand it and apply it in the right way. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Revelation, we'll pick it back up in Revelation chapter 13. And here we see the description of a couple of the beasts, the Antichrist, uh, also known as the beast, and the false prophet. Now, this description and, and so forth is not in a chronological timeline. That, that doesn't mean that they're coming on the scene at the midpoint of the tribulation, because in the timeline, that's about where we're at in this through the book of Revelation. But it's kind of a look back and a description of the two beasts. Like I pointed out before, it's very confusing when you go through the book of Revelation to keep up the chronological order of how things are unfolding. When he looks at things that are back or forward or and during that seven years, it gets a bit confusing. But right here, he's getting a, a little bit more detail and a look at the two beasts as it starts here in Revelation chapter 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now this beast here that he's seeing rising up out of that sea, it's considered the sea of the Mediterranean Sea, which would indicate that this beast is coming from that region, that the Antichrist will be of that region, whether he is of Jewish descent or Arab descent, we don't know. But it is interesting that he is, has a mark that we'll further get into. We'll see the mark of the beast, the 666. You go back to the book of Numbers, and the people were numbered, given numbers, which indicate a name. So that would lead you to believe that maybe it is of a Jewish descent that becomes the Antichrist. We don't know that, but if Satan is going to make his counterfeits, it would make sense that maybe he would choose a Jew to be his counterfeit because Satan is the great counterfeiter. He wants to counterfeit himself with an unholy trinity as him being the father, as the Antichrist being the son, and as the false prophet being the, the spirit as we see him put this trinity together. As it continues at verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Of course, the dragon being Satan, giving him all this power and authority. And those horns and those heads and so forth, we're speaking about the various nations and peoples that are under his control, his his cabinet, you might call it, his Congress, his group of influences that he has, his ability to control and manipulate all the world powers. As it continues, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now this injuring it's wounded as it were wounded to death, not totally dead. So he gets a mortal wound and Satan heals him of that mortal wound. And at that point he indwells him. As it continues, And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. 
and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Now this extra power given to him is given to him at the midpoint of the tribulation when he gets that mortal wound and, and gets healed and indwelt fully with, by Satan. And he gets more power to continue to the end of the tribulation. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him a, to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. We know at the midpoint of tribulation, he comes in and he kicks the Jews out because they've been there in Jerusalem with the newly rebuilt temple, worshiping God in the Old Testament way, and he kicks them out, and the Lord takes the born again, the saints, as it says, and takes them to the mountains of Megiddo, and protects them there during the second half of the tribulation. As it continues, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. This book of life of the Lamb, also known as the Lamb's book of life, is the book where your name gets written when you become a born-again Christian. So he's speaking here is the born-again Christians speaking of that. Right. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Like, listen up. A lot of details in all this, a lot of mystery in this as well. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Like, listen up. And he points out here, patient of the saints. Patient of those saints that are going through all this, that have studied and been revealed the truth of the Word of God and know what's going to happen, they will patiently await the judgments that are going to happen to the planet, knowing what they have to look forward to in the millennial period and for eternity. And also this would keep them patient in not wanting to rise up as an offensive attack against the unbelievers. The power that the saints would have to be able to create a big army and go up against them that's reserved. They are patiently holding back. They're not going to do that. Then in verse 11, it starts getting into speaking about the, the false prophet. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. No, deadly wound. It didn't kill him, but it was a deadly wound. It would have killed him, but Satan healed him of that. And the false prophets, basically his sidekick, his possibly be like president, vice president. So this is the fellow that steps up and tries to make everyone pay attention to the Antichrist, the first beast. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now this fire coming down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. We might wonder, what is this? Is this actually fire that he brings together like we normally understand fire? 
or is this actually the technology of being able to use weaponry that is in the sky to come down, whether it be of missiles or whether it be of lasers. They have the technology today with these lasers that are mounted on satellites or that can be on an aircraft and be able to strike things and totally burn them up. It could be something like that. If you go back to thinking, okay, in military forms, in military situation, how could he drive or what it would appear fire to come down from the sky. It could be in the form of a laser or from missiles. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, of course, with today's technology, with robotics and, and so forth, it would be easy to understand to be able to craft something that would be able to move around, to make motions, to speak. They have quite the technology today to build these androids, these robots, these what look like human but are not, and the technology is here. When this was written, no, they didn't have that technology. This would have been a total mystery, but today we could see, okay, it'd be very easy to make a statue that would have these kind of attributes and be able to be equipped with a weapon that there again could be a laser-type weapon and be able to kill folks. In verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now this mark, whether it be something like a tattoo or whether it be an implant of a computer chip, throughout the ages this has been speculated or assumed what was this mark. Even back before we had a social security number in the United States, when they first started saying that you needed a social security number, many people resisted because they thought that was the mark of the beast. And then they come along with tattoos and barcodes. And they think, okay, the barcode is going to be what's going to be tattooed on someone's wrist or the forehead, and that will be the mark of the beast. And then now that they have the technology with the computer chips, that is more likely to be what occurs is an implant of a very small computer chip, which may be the size of a grain of mustard, I mean, excuse me, size of a grain of rice that can contain all your financial records so that you could scan that and it would take it from your account or add to your account as you're working or as you're purchasing things. It would be very practical. And you can see how it would appeal to many people. You wouldn't have to have a pocketbook, a wallet. You wouldn't have to keep up with that. Nobody could steal your stuff very easily unless they cut your wrist off or, or rip it off your forehead. So it would be more secure and be easy to convince people to do that. And then if you threaten them to where they cannot buy, sell, or trade, unless they have this mark, as we've seen in recent years with COVID and how submissive people became with wearing their masks and taking the vaccines and so forth in order to be able to buy, sell, trade, and go to work. So it would be very easy to implement this in the last days as well. The people are being conditioned now to be submissive during the tribulation time. As it continues, let's go back to verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, to, and rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. 
and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. In other words, six, six, six. Okay, now into chapter 14. Here in chapter 14, we get another confusing verse, which would lead you to think something happened at a particular time, but it's not. Now, we have 144,000 that will be sealed. These are 144,000 Jews, and we've been given the names of the various tribes earlier in our studies here in the book of Revelation, the 12 tribes of Israel. And it'll be 12,000 from each of the tribes, so 144,000. And they will be sealed. They will be born-again Christians. That seal is the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost, which we all receive when we become born-again Christians. That's the seal that he speaks of for the Christians to have. And these 144,000 are sealed with that, and they are chosen to be special ministers, missionaries, pastors, preachers, spreading the gospel during the tribulation time. Chosen during the tribulation time. Not born again and then go into the tribulation, but at the beginning of the tribulation period, when the revelation of the rapture, many Jews that have been waiting for the coming of the Messiah will realize that they have messed up and with their foundational belief in the Old Testament will see the fulfilling of the prophecies and become born again. So very early on in the tribulation, there'll be a great revival of people turning to the Lord, and out of that, this 144,000 will be chosen to be these special missionaries. As we get back into it in verse 1 again of chapter 14, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Now, if you got this out of context or out of sequence, you would think that the Lamb, which is the Lamb of God, standing on Mount Zion at the midpoint of the tribulation. Well, no, that's incorrect. This is a look at what's going to happen and the influence and power of the Lord. And the Lamb standing at that point there, is going to be at the end of the tribulation time. You don't come back down to the planet until at the end of the tribulation. So his influence would be represented by this lamb that he's seeing there, and also a look at what will occur when he does come to the earth at the end of the tribulation. So we have these chosen 144,000 that will be chosen throughout the tribulation time to spread the gospel. And at the midpoint, they'll already be acquired a number of 144,000, which will really go to work. These are they which were not defiled with woman, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. Notice here, the first 
place that we see that the angels are given the opportunity to spread the gospel of the New Testament time. To present that to mankind. To give that task of, the, of spreading the gospel. And this gospel that he's spreading at this time is a prophecy of the coming millennial period. As well as salvation itself. Read 6 again. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Notice, it goes to everyone. Just as we have the prophecies concerning that the gospel will be preached to all mankind and then the end, as the Lord teaches us that over in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 about the last days, He's speaking of this here. When that gospel has been preached to everyone by the power of the Holy Ghost and the use of these angels. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Once again, we see pointing out the creator all through the Gospels, all through the entire Bible, we see the emphasis put upon God being the Creator. Jesus Christ speaking everything into existence. That is one of the primary ways that Satan turns people against God is by indicating or by his teaching or by saying that everything created itself through a big bang and through evolution and so forth, denying Jesus Christ, denying the Creator. And one of the key places, as I say, is through creation. They try to deny creation by Jesus Christ. And here he's emphasizing that. He's saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven. That's worship Jesus Christ and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This is talking about the judgments that will occur during the tribulation time when all the world powers and the world monetary system and the government and the religion and all is destroyed. And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up, forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Clearly pointing out there, he signifies the coming of the Antichrist, the false prophet, the establishment of the mark of the beast, and then telling you if you take that mark, you're going to be doomed for an eternity and torment. Here is the patience of saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed 
are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Talking about these that are going to die during the tribulation time, that reject that mark of the beast, that reject Satan and his false prophet and the Antichrist, and trust in the Lord. They will be rewarded, and they will be rewarded for their works, as he says, and their works do follow them. Verse 14, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Now, verse 14 jumps in the timeline right to the end of the tribulation when he divides the sheep from the goats, as he tells us over in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 prophecies. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now this reaping of the earth is the taking away or the killing of all of the ungodly. And another angel came out of the temple with, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Notice the vine of the earth. We are connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. That's different. This is the vine of the earth, talking about the ungodly. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. This massive killing of all these individuals will occur at the end of the tribulation time. All right, now chapter 15. Here we get another glimpse of, of heaven just before the, the great tribulation. The great tribulation is considered the, at the midpoint. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now we're getting kind of, okay, now here we're going to look at the second half judgments that are going to come upon. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. They got the victory over that. In other words, they did not receive that mark, but yet they were killed. They were martyred. And they're in heaven. That glass is that calmness that's before the throne. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, 
and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. Now, verse 6 here would actually be connected, you might say, to chapter 16, because it starts talking about the initiation of these final judgments at the midpoint of tribulation beginning. And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. That temple that he speaks of there is the temple that is on earth, not yet built in our time. We haven't seen that temple built, but we know where it will be built. If you look at the pictures of Jerusalem, you can see this golden dome. And that dome is built on a temple that is a Muslim temple. And it sits on the site where Herod's temple was. In the day of Christ that was there, he prophesied that it would be destroyed. And in 70 AD, it was destroyed. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 24, you see him speak of this. And it was prophesied and fulfilled. That was wiped out. It was rebuilt by the Muslims when the Muslims overthrew that area. And they built the mosque there. And they still own that area. Right in the heart of Jerusalem, the Muslims have their established spot, which is the, the dome on the rock. And that will be the site of the rebuilt temple that will be used during the tribulation time. The Jews have already crafted the stones needed to build that temple, modeling after Herod's construction. And they already have crafted and are storing the golden implements that they need, the basins and the dishes and so forth for the animal sacrifices, which they will reinitiate during the beginning of the tribulation time. When the Antichrist signs that treaty with them, allowing them to come and rebuild that temple. So right at the very beginning of the tribulation time, they'll build this temple. Having all of the supplies needed in store right now, you can see how it wouldn't take very long to build that temple. So that will be built. And then back when we read about the wounding of the Antichrist, at the midpoint of the Antichrist, he goes into that temple, kicks the Jews out, has war against them. They flee to the mountains of Megiddo. He sets himself up as God in that temple. And then at the end of that, you see that the Lord himself, here at the reference to no one going into that temple, because he's already kicked Satan out. No one's going to be going in there until he wipes everybody out and he starts the millennial period. And Jesus Christ will enter into that temple and he'll rule and reign from that temple for a thousand years. And all of the born again Christians will be able to rule and reign with him during that thousand years. So all that coming together. 
Bits and pieces and clues that we see when you take this and you take the prophecies in Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel and in the Gospels and you put all that together and you can get a clearer and clearer picture of how things are going to happen and in what order they're going to happen. But as we get into chapter 16, it's the beginning of the second half of the tribulation known as the Great Tribulation. But we'll get into that next time. But let's close. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for your word. It is a lot of mystery in here, and there's still a lot of it that we don't understand, and we know the reasons for that as well. We're not ready for it, and you're not ready for us to understand that. So help us all take what we learn and apply it in the right way and share it with others and draw close to you through all of it. We truly thank you for all of it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.